Hey, this is Cooper Smith. I'm one of the student worship pastors at Eastview, and I'm honored to welcome you to our Eastview Students High School podcast. We hope this is encouraging, inspiring, and helpful for you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy the message. With you guys uh, that had to do with this conference, number one is, and, and I think it's important for you guys to know this, that our job as, as pastors, as youth pastors, as high school pastors, is to get better to get better at helping you guys walk with Jesus. And so that's why we go to stuff like this, and, and it was really good for us in a lot of ways. And it, it was interesting, one of the things that I took away that I, I'm still learning about your generation specifically is your generation, and, and this probably makes sense to you, your generation really struggles with trust. It, it, it takes a lot to trust, especially when it comes to authority. And it was, it was interesting because last week I was talking about how like, I'm not doing my job as your pastor if, if you're just trusting in me and not trusting in Jesus, right? And, and it, it's interesting because they were talking this week that, that they were saying, you, you guys, like us as pastors, want to be pastors that your students can trust. And here's how I kind of see that, um, is that as we look at this relationship as, with pastor and student, trust from you guys comes from what, what you might want to look at as a vertical relationship and a horizontal relationship. Basically, what, what does your relationship or my relationship look like vertically with God? And then, what does the horizontal relationship look like with people? And so, the trust for you guys as a generation comes from maybe looking at people with authority and say, okay, what does their vertical relationship look like and what does their horizontal relationship look like? look like. And I think that applies for you guys as well as, as we want to teach. We want you to have this relationship with God that then stems to the horizontal relationship and having relationships with people. And so that's one of the things I took away is like, I want to become a pastor or a person that you can trust because of my relationship with God. And then out of that, a relationship with you guys and with others. So that was one thing I kind of took away. The other thing is uh, what's interesting, and I don't know if you guys hear this sometimes, but sometimes you look out in the world and everyone's like, oh my gosh, this, this generation is, is going to doom us all. All right, like, like this, this generation is going to ruin it. And after getting back from this conference, I, I just believe the complete opposite with your generation. And I just want to encourage you guys a little bit as it encouraged my heart this week. This generation is actually being called the open generation. You guys are being called the open generation. And the reason you're being called that is because you are now the most open to the gospel a generation has been in a very long time. Which is, which is awesome and cool. And a new opportunity that I want to encourage you guys with is that as you think about your friends or people that don't know Jesus, you are the open generation. People are more open to hearing about Jesus than ever before. The second thing I love about this generation and you guys is that you care deeply about justice. You care deeply about fairness, about making things right. Which is again why I think Jesus is so compelling to us is because he was such an advocate for justice and doing what's right. And another thing I loved that I heard about uh, from this conference was this generation, your generation, really wants to work together. You guys want to do things together. You want to have a faith together. You want to build something together. So those were just some of the things that encouraged me that, and, and makes me really hopeful for you guys and really happy that I get to be your pastor and get to watch you guys grow in this. 
Um, but I, I did want to share, so on the way back, one, one of the cool things with conferences like this is that we as a team get to grow and, and bond, and we were driving back uh, from Atlanta yesterday, or no, two days ago. Was it two days ago? Two days ago. Thank you, Allison. Okay, two days ago, and, and I, don't, I don't know, I got on this like mode where I just started asking questions, and one of the questions I posed to my team in the van is, and, and I want you guys to think about this question too. All right, so if it's your birthday... And you can spend the whole day with any one person, who would it be? Okay? Could be it's someone dead or someone alive. Okay? So I, I'm curious, just think in your heads right now, who might that be? Actually, if, if you had a neighbor, like turn to him and just say who that would be. Who would be the one person on your birthday you could spend your whole day with anyone? Okay? Okay. How many of you said Jesus? It's such a cop-out answer. Okay, of course. I actually had to tell our team, you can't say Jesus, all right? That's too easy. All right, but here's the thing. What if, what if Jesus showed up to your birthday party? What would that be like, okay? Today's story, Jesus shows up to the party, okay? So, He's going to show up to a wedding. So open your Bibles to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. And at this party, at this wedding, Jesus is going to do his first miracle. And if you've been with us in the past couple weeks, we've been talking about how we're going through the book of John. And John wrote this book for a couple of reasons. Do you guys remember those reasons, what we've been talking about the past couple weeks? If not, here's a refresher. Number one, so that you might believe. John wrote this gospel, wrote these stories so that you might believe Jesus is the Son of God. And number two, John wrote his gospel so that by believing in Jesus, you would see what life comes with it. Okay, and, and so as we read this story, again, I want to I look through that lens at this story today. How does this story make me believe more in Jesus? Or how does this story show the life that comes with Jesus? Okay, so John chapter 2 we're moving on in the life of Jesus, and we get to his first miracle in John chapter 2. Starting in verse 1. It says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But then his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you've kept the best until now. In this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. Let me pray. 
God, thanks for this space that we get to come together today and worship you and, and glorify your name, God. And, and I pray today that, that this word would change us, that we would believe in Jesus, we would see that Jesus is a provider and Jesus cares about what we're going through and what we need and what we're asking for help for. And so, God, would you just allow us to pause for a moment today? Allow us to push away any distractions of what has just happened or what's going to happen this week and just to focus in on you. God, what do you want to say to us today? And so I pray you'd speak loudly by the power of your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, let's talk about maybe the elephant in the room when we read a story like this. Whoa, Jesus, water into wine, okay? Let's, let's make a note about this story, okay? Because we're talking about wine to a bunch of high school students who are underage, okay? You guys are not old enough to drink wine right now, all right? This story is not meant to be an excuse saying, woohoo, Jesus loves wine, I'm going to consume alcohol, all right? That's not what this story is telling you, because let me tell you a few things that's in the Bible and what Jesus says. Jesus in Luke chapter 21 talks about how drunkenness is a sin, okay? He says, don't fall into drunkenness. And then if you look in, in the letters from Paul over and over and over again, he, he talks about how we're to respect authority, we're supposed to respect leadership and laws, and the law here in the U.S. says you're not allowed to drink until you're 21, okay? Now, I want to say that because we look at this story and, and we get around this idea and it's like, oh my gosh, overindulging is fun and, and, and we can drink and everyone's drinking wine here and let me tell you, I, I was... I don't know if this relates at all, but I feel like I have to share this story from this past week. Uh, our high school team went to the Coca-Cola Museum down in Atlanta. Have you guys ever been there before? Ever? Okay, I'll tell you about it. What, honestly, there, there, there's not a ton except for like one awesome thing, and that is the, what's called the tasting room, all right? At the Coca-Cola Museum, you go into this room, and, and they have unlimited amounts of disposable cups, and they have every like Coke flavor there is like over a hundred different flavors for you to just go and just have however much you want, all right? This was particularly a very funny moment because we were super looking forward to this, but we get to the Coca-Cola Museum and we're about to go in the tasting room and in walks about like 300 fifth graders on a field trip. Y'all, I have never seen anything funnier in my life <laughs> than fifth graders who can drink unlimited soda. It was hilarious. They all of a sudden they're all like sitting in this big room, and then like the teachers are just like, "Okay, feel free to go wherever." Where do they all run? The tasting room. All right, and they are sprinting around the room, and it is just a sight to behold. I mean, every, it seems like every fifth grader's got two cups in their hands, and they're just filling and drinking and just running around. I don't know how many parents knew what was going on here. There was one kid that just pulled out his water bottle and is just filling it. Okay, you look, I'm not kidding. I look over in another corner and this kid is heaving into a trash can. Okay, but as soon as he's done heaving, he grabs his cup and starts filling it again. All right, and there, there's another girl walking around like, oh, it feels so good. Right, it was hilarious. All right, here's the thing. This story, we're missing the point. We're missing the point completely if we're like, woo, drinking wine, Jesus is cool with alcohol, like, 
I can, I can drink. Like, we're missing things with that. Even though the world says, oh, drinking as much as you want, that sounds amazing. Or, or drinking alcohol, that sounds really cool. But you're missing the point of the story if you read this and you're like, okay, the Bible tells me that Jesus is okay with me kicking back a, and drinking a glass of wine. Okay? Let's look at this story because I want us to not miss the key parts of this. All right? Here's, here's my first question when I read this story. Why was Jesus' first miracle turning water into wine? Why was it this moment? Because what's interesting, if you look in verse 4, Jesus tells his mom, my time hasn't yet come yet. It's not time yet, which, which basically means that it's not time for me to do something incredible here. So, so why in this moment is this the moment where Jesus starts to reveal his glory as the Son of God starts to do a miracle? Well, let me give you a little context. Back in Bible times, weddings were a big deal. All right, I, know, I know they're a big deal today, but they, they may have been an even bigger deal back then. And what came with the wedding was that the family that was throwing the wedding had to be the ones that provide food and wine. All right, every wedding had food and had wine. It was like this social expectation. And the culture there was an honor-shame culture. All right, and, and, and so if you have this story and, and you run out of wine at a wedding, this is like a social catastrophe. All right, this is really bad. It, it's actually something that could bring shame on your family if you ran out of wine at a wedding. Okay, that's not like our world necessarily, this honor-shame idea, but that's what's going on here. But here's the issue with this. Even if we're sitting in here today and thinking, well, that's not that big of a deal, so they run out of wine, all right? It was a big deal to them. It was a big deal to them. When I was about four years old, um, I got this brand new pair of shoes, okay? And I loved these shoes. Four-year-old, having brand new shoes, loved them. And, And there was this one day I was out playing outside, and I was playing, and, and somehow when I was out there playing, I had taken my shoes off. And at, when I was done playing, I, I, I ran inside to my mom, and I, I was sad and I was upset because I'd only, I only had one shoe. All right? And those of you that have been around toddlers before, this is a very common thing. Like all of a sudden, where's your other shoe? Okay? Like if you've been around little kids, it just happens. They just lose stuff. But I was like, I was devastated. I only had, I lost one of my shoes. So my mom and, 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 and I went out and we, and we looked everywhere around our house and we could not find my other shoe. And I was crushed. So that night, my mom told me, she's like, Zach, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray and ask God to find your shoe? Okay? So little four-year-old me and my mom, we, we prayed that I would find my shoe. The next day, we were on a walk with our dog, and my shoe was in a bush a block away. I just happened to look over at a bush, and there it was. Okay? Now, some of you in here are like, it's, that's just a coincidence, okay? Somehow. I don't know how, but that shoe got all the way over there. But I, I, I want to tell you something with that story and why I share that story and why that story did impact me. Number one. My mom cared, even if it wasn't that big of a deal. I think an adult can look at a little kid who's lost his shoe and say, it's fine, we'll get you another pair. But for me, that was a big deal. I loved those shoes. And so my mom paid attention to that, and she cared about it. 
Number two, my mom taught me to rely on God even with the small things. Even with the things that maybe seem insignificant, like losing a shoe, that you can still go to God and pray. And that day I realized that God cares about me. I look back and I I see a God that cares about me because I look at that and, and that means the things that matter deeply to me matter to God because God cares about me. So I look at this story and, I, and I, I ask, why did Jesus turn water into wine? And simply, guys, I think it's because Jesus really loved his mom. Really. I think it's because Jesus really loved his mom. May, may not have seemed like a big deal to run out of wine, but Jesus loved his mom deeply and she came to him for help. And this tells me, no matter how insignificant the struggles you go through, the fears that you have, the problems you have, God cares about it. Because he cares about you. And, and that's hard to understand in a world where people constantly minimize pain. We live in a world where people can just be the worst when they're like, well, yeah, but it's not that bad. Or did you think about this? Or like trying to solve your problem. And you, you know those moments like, where you, I, I look online and, and, and sometimes like you have those moments where you read about, you know, oh, you think school was tough. You think school's tough today. Well, back in my day, I hiked Mount Everest through the, the snow to get to school. Like those kind of things. It's like, okay, come on. We're, but the thing is, when we look at your things that you guys are going through, we're finding more and more that the problems of today that maybe some people minimize are actually very real things. And, and to be honest, the church hasn't always been great at this either. I think about the, the subject of mental health, where before they were just, it was just deemed as like, you, you're, you're just sad, or you don't have enough faith, or, or just be happy. But we're finding today that struggles with anxiety and, and depression and suicidal thoughts, are, they're a real problem because they can be chemicals in your brain that aren't working properly. I think about, you know, porn addiction, all right, and, and, and you can't just with porn decide, you know what, I'm just not going to watch it today. I'm going to be done. I'm done watching porn. No, it's an addiction. A very unfair one that some of you maybe have got, got started and now you can't stop. And that's not fair. But it's, it's something that needs diligent support and accountability. You can't just be done. And I, I think about also just being a high schooler, being a teen today. You guys know, you have more access to information than ever before. The things you guys go through are just different than what your parents had to go through. When they went to school or they went off in their world, all, all that, what, what, what their problems were, what their worries were, what, what was right in front of them. Those were the things they struggled with. You guys today, you have phones that have access to everything. So it's not just you worrying about what's right in front of you. You're now worried about everything going on everywhere. That's a lot. That's a lot to go through. And I just want to tell you, your pain and struggles matter, and they matter the most to God. That's why I, like, I don't want to shut down the prayer requests of like, praying for my sporting event, praying for my game, praying for a performance on a test, or praying about my high school breakup, or, or whatever someone might minimize and say, oh, it's going to be okay, it's fine, God doesn't really care. Because I look at Scripture and I see a God who deeply loves his kids. 
And if his kids are hurting, God cares about that. The next thing I want to show with this story is really, I think, the most important line in this story. Verse 5. Jesus' mother, and, and I kind of I love his mother in this story because Jesus, the verse before, he's like, my time's not yet come. I, I don't think I should do this today. His mom just goes, ah, do whatever he tells you. Jesus, you're doing it. But I love that line right there in verse 5. His mom turns to the servants and says, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And if I want to think about the servants in this story, I have to imagine they are freaking out because this is their problem. If they run out of wine, this is the servants' fault. And now all of a sudden, this random teacher from Galilee is going to be the one to solve the problems? And now you've got this angry mom? All right, maybe Bridezilla here? Not Bridezilla, but mom of the bride. Sometimes there's horror stories with that. Right. And mom's saying, do whatever this random guy tells you to do. These guys don't know Jesus. They don't know who he is. Jesus hasn't done all these miracles yet. But Jesus tells them, hey, grab these giant ceremonial jars of, of, of water and fill them up. Fill them up with water. And I, I just think about these servants and they have to be like, we don't need more water. We need wine. But they do it anyway. They obey Jesus and And when they do it, the miracle happens. They go in to dip their cups into the water, and out comes wine. I can't can't imagine what that feeling must have been, but, but that moment came from doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. And here's the thing I find with this story. You know what I would say to those who don't know or don't follow Jesus? I would say try doing what he says. Because these guys, they didn't know Jesus, but they had no other options. What else are they going to do? I guess we're just going to have to go with this guy that says he can, he can make this fixed. He can fix it. And I, I think about your generation, guys. I think about this generation that you will reach a point if you don't follow Jesus, who Scripture says is the way, the truth, and the life. You're going to reach a point where you have no other options. Because think about it. If, if you're following something that's other than the way, you're following the wrong way. If you're following something that's other than the truth, then you're following a lie. And if you're following something that's other than life, you're following death. You're going to need another option if it's not Jesus. And here's the option I think this story presents. Do whatever he tells you. Do what Jesus says. I I believe this. I believe this so much that even when you don't fully trust it, you don't fully understand, Jesus can still do a miracle in your life. And for those of you in a season of worry or fear or struggle or going through problems that might be insignificant to, to adults in your life or not, just do whatever Jesus tells you. And here's the thing, sometimes trusting Jesus, it doesn't make sense. It, ha- it, it, it probably did not make sense to fill a bunch of jars with water when they need wine. And here's the thing, guys, it doesn't always make sense to wait to have sex until marriage. Or it doesn't always make sense that even if you haven't waited, to now say, I am going to wait starting today until marriage. Because the world says, society says, explore, figure out what works for you. 
It doesn't make sense all the time to wait. It doesn't always make sense not to speak unwholesome talk. Society loves to throw out cuss words and bad language and all of these things. It doesn't make sense for you not to. It doesn't always make sense to turn the other cheek when someone is actually ripping you to shreds with their words. It doesn't always make sense to skip out on TikTok scrolling at night to read your Bible. It doesn't always make sense to the world to go to church on a Sunday instead of sleeping in. It doesn't always make sense to love your enemy and to pray for those who hurt you. But here's the thing, guys, I have found with Jesus. When I do what Jesus says, when I just obey, even when it doesn't always make sense, even when I don't always fully understand it, when I do what Jesus says, he provides everything I need. These servants did what Jesus said, and he provided everything they needed. And I believe that when you obey the one who knows you best, you will find the life that you wanted. I believe that. That when you obey the one who knows you best, who cares about you the most deeply, he will provide for you the life that you need. Because it's a life where the creator of the world, the Son of God, provides And here's the thing, it may not always be a water into wine moment, being exactly what you ask for, but it will be what you need. Matthew 7.11 says this, I want you to hear this. Matthew 7.11, Jesus is saying, "If, if you sinful people, even you sinful people, you broken people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? But do we ask? It, it might seem simple to end with this, but sometimes we need simple in a life of very complicated, which can be the life of a high school student, guys. No matter what you're going through, I would encourage you to ask Jesus for help. No matter how insignificant it might seem or how much someone else minimizes it, you can ask for Jesus to help. And in the meantime, in the waiting like Sophia was talking about, just do whatever Jesus says. And here's the thing. No matter what you're going through, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten and probably a piece of advice you've gotten too. It never hurts to ask. It never hurts. It might seem your request, the thing you're going through, as insignificant as a shoe to a four-year-old. But remember, that request that you are making is attached to the person that Jesus said was a big enough deal to die for. Do you hear that? It might seem like something small, something insignificant, but that request is attached to someone a big enough deal that Jesus says, I want to die for that person. Jesus is a provider. And so my encouragement is, just do whatever he tells you and watch what he does. 
We're going to take the next 30 seconds. I want you guys to sit and just think, what's one thing from this sermon, from this passage, that you're walking away from? Well, everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the message, we'd love it if you would join us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. for our Eastview Students High School service. We also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and share it to your social media accounts. To stay up to date, check us out on Instagram at EastviewHSM and check out our Eastview Students YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.